He is life. What did Jesus say about himself in relation to the resurrection? Yell it out. He said, I am the resurrection. Now, did he say that before he was resurrected or after? That's interesting, isn't it? He said, I am the resurrection before the resurrection actually took place. Which means the resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. The crucifixion was an event, but the resurrection is a person. And we're going to look at this today because the challenge is, if we see the resurrection as an event, we haven't entered into life. Because he also said, I am the life. So he said, not only am I the resurrection, he said, I am the life. He said, I am the bread. He said, I am the truth. He said, if you're in me, then you're in life. And if you're not in me, then you're not in life. But you can be a bystander of the resurrection, but not be a partaker of the resurrection. So as a follower of Jesus, it's fully possible to actually not be in the fullness of the resurrected life. Because we don't yet know the power of the person. We do not yet know the person himself in a way that creates a resurrected life inside of us that took us from being people who are dead to being people of life. And that's not an earthly life. The Bible tells me that's an eternal life, which is not eternity. It's a life that is from the eternal, meaning heaven, in me now today. And that life growing in me, so I have eternal life because I know the one who said, I am the resurrection. I'm the embodiment of the resurrection. I am the gospel. If you want to look anywhere, look to me. I'm the fulfillment of my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There is no separation between the Father and I. I am the one true God, and I'm the one true God that holds life in me. So if you know me, you are in life. And so often we can just view the crucifixion as an event and we can view the resurrection as an event, but be void of it. Like be void of the life that was bought and paid for because we're a bystander. Like there were plenty of people there who were bystanding, watching the crucifixion, correct? And then there were people that turned up and saw that he wasn't in the grave, correct? So they're bystanders. They're not yet partakers of what happened. But Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. So Paul said, I'm a partaker of the crucifixion. Did Paul get on a cross? But did he suffer for Jesus? Did his flesh on the inside of him, get torn out through the power of the Word of God? Was he changed on the inside? Did he go from being a hater and a killer of the church to a lover and a man who laid his life down for us? Why? Because he was a partaker, not a bystander. He was a man that had a fellowship with the crucifixion and he had a fellowship with the resurrection. 
And he's no different to you and I. You and I too are to have fellowship with the crucifixion and fellowship with the resurrection. Because it was Paul that then said, imitate me as I imitate who? And it's not enough to be a follower of Jesus and just stand and admire what Jesus did. i got to get on the cross with Christ. But I can't get on the cross and I don't want to get on that cross. In fact, I want to be the furthest away from my death, correct? But that's where life is, isn't it? Through the cross. So there's no other way to this life I'm prophesying about. The Bible says, do not despise prophetic utterance, correct? This is a prophetic utterance. Every time we speak, it's a prophecy. It's prophetic utterance. I'm declaring to you today a reality of death and life that brings a living hope. Do you have within you a living hope? Not human optimism, but living hope. A hope that has gone behind the veil where my soul is anchored so nothing shakes you. Nothing. Is the kingdom immovable? Is it going to fall over? So if the kingdom is in us because of the death and the resurrection of our Messiah, and I have fellowship with the death and the resurrection of my Messiah, can anything move me if the kingdom of God is being built in me? No. Because living hope is on the end side, a resurrected hope. The living hope comes through the resurrection, correct? And this living hope goes behind the veil. You see, in the Old Testament, all the priests would minister in front of the Holy of Holies, correct? And one priest per year was allowed to go behind into the innermost being where the presence of God was. And they had to tie a rope around his his because in the event he had sin, he would perish like that and they would have to pull him out. Now, when Jesus came and died and rose again, he went, hey, church, all of you who profess to be mine and want to come and follow me, come with me into the holy of holies. Let's go beyond the outer courts ministry and let's enter into ministry in me. Well, you don't need light because you have the light. You don't need another to love you because you found love. You're not trying to still suck life out of earth because you found life. And you found it in the one who said, I am life. I am the resurrection. I am the one who was crucified not just for your sin, but to bring you into sonship. Too often we focus on sin instead of value. And so what happens is when you focus on sin more than your value, you say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Rather than, I'm a redeemed son, I'm a redeemed son, I'm a redeemed son, I'm a redeemed son, I'm an adopted son to royalty. So where are you focusing your identity? Because if it's just about sin rather than value, you'll only ever see your sin that was paid for, not your inheritance that was paid for. 
And all of a sudden, you start waking up to a reality because you're having fellowship. You're a partaker of this resurrected life. Paul said, I want to know you. I want to have I want to know your power that resurrected you, and I want to have fellowship with your sufferings. Do you know you cannot have fellowship with his sufferings unless you know him? And as you get to know him, you know the power of him. And then as you have power in you, your life starts to change, and you start to be the demonstration of truth, which then creates opposition in your life by those who are still fleshly who don't necessarily like the person you're becoming because you actually start to stand out and truth exposes the lie. Light shines in the darkness and they did not like the darkness because the darkness gets exposed, meaning man's flesh, and all of a sudden man tries to hide. But not the church. Not the resurrected ones. We are to move towards the light so we have fellowship with the light because if we walk in darkness, we can't have fellowship with one another. 1 John 1, 1 to 7 tells me that. So I better be in this guy and not just be a bystander of what he did. I better be in his life, not just come week in, week out, year in, year out, amazing as it was, but actually not have a participation with him. Otherwise, I'm not going to be in the life I was predestined for. Romans 8 teaches me that for all those that God foreknew, which means he knew me before I knew me. He predestined me before I even had a chance to breathe life. For all those people, he has chosen me, you, to be conformed into his image, which is life. An eternal life because he is an eternal God. Jesus said to know me, to know God is eternal life, John 17, 3. And what that means is that you enter into the life of Christ. Like his life isn't just here, it's here. And it's growing. Amen? As much as I love Fridays, it ain't compare to Sundays. Like it doesn't. This even says how much more if he died when I was a sinner, how much more life now that I'm redeemed? Like how much more, how much more, how much more, how much more? Like it's endless. This is endless. This life in you, this living hope can be endless. There's no capping in the spirit. He says, why would a father give a son a, a, a scorpion when he asked for a fish? Why would a good loving father do that? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Which isn't just the Spirit Himself, it's everything contained in life, spiritual life. Like how much more is the Holy Spirit going to reveal to those who are hungry and thirsty, who make it their lifetime goal and purpose in life to follow the Christ and come into the life that's in the Christ and then to be an ambassador who represents the Christ while on earth with their life, then, then die, get raised up again, and then come back with that Christ to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years to establish his governmental rulership 
on earth with him as his bride and then go into the new heaven and the new earth and spend your entire eternity this face to the God who saved you because he says bond servants will see his face, have his name written on their forehead and they will minister unto the Lord because they are priests. I'm just going to breathe. <laughs> so the flesh suit doesn't fall over needing oxygen. That's a prophetic utterance that just came out of my spirit right then. I heard it. I know it. I'll live in for it. Why? Because he is life. He is the resurrection. He's a person. So the crucifixion was an event, but the resurrection's a person. You see, Martha was looking for an event. If you'd been here, it wouldn't have happened. He said, well, guess what? I'm here. And I'm so glad that I wasn't here to show you who I am and to show you what my father and I are able to do because I'm making all things new. Even before they are, I'm going to say I am it so you can see who I am. So you can start living now in the reality of the future, but it's now. How cool is that? Living in the future now. Because you've heard and seen it because he said, I am it, but it hadn't happened. Doesn't matter. I am it. Like we need spiritual ears and eyes to hear and see that, eh? How can that be? Because God is. That's how that can be. But with man, it's impossible. Yeah, that's right. But with God, all things are possible because I'm making all things new. Like it's finished before it even began. There's another one. Try and get your mind around that. No, let your spirit get it. And then let your spirit renew your mind because your mind will never catch that. Your mind will blow up trying to understand that one. It's finished before it began? Yeah. I'm going to read Luke 24, 1 to 6. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices. This was the woman, which they had prepared. So they'd been up all night preparing for a body that wasn't going to be there. <laughs> well, that sucks, doesn't it? The time, the energy, the resource, the money, he's not even there. He could have at least been there. But he's not there. You see, when you don't know the future, when you can't hear what he says when he says it, you can be running around doing a whole lot of stuff. And he's like, what are you doing that for, Martha? What are you doing that for? Why are you making spices for a body that ain't even there? Because you don't know it's not there. And he's so gracious and loving towards us, he's then going to make you aware that I'm not there. Why would you do that, Greg? So then you can get on board and make a realization that, oh my goodness, he said that and I should have been aware because I shouldn't have been doing that all night long. So now I can actually get on board with the future that actually is being spoken because it's already finished. So these women turn up and they're prepared, but they're not prepared like the virgins, are they? They're not prepared like the guy with the talents, are they? They're going the wrong way. Aren't you thankful God just says, hey, hello, 
This is what the angelic realm are going to do. Hello. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's so passionate about you and I discovering who we really are. Like he is, he is the most obsessed, when I say it in a good way, passionate, loving, convinced, and believes in us. And he has laid us, he gave the greatest value that we would not miss a life we can know. And so, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this, while their minds were hurting, while they were trying to figure this out. My goodness, what's going on? Two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? When you don't know him as life, when you don't know him as resurrection, you will be seeking the living things among the dead. You'll be looking for life in this earth. You'll be looking for life in people. You'll be looking for life in you. You'll be looking for life in money. You'll be looking for life in the complete wrong place because you don't know it's all dead. And you'll be preparing your life, building your life, working your life, getting up early, doing all the things that you do for dead stuff. That's not wise, correct? This is what the women were doing, guys, because they didn't hear Jesus when he said, I'm going to die, but in three days, I'm going to rise again. You see, if you love me, you'd be happy that I go, but they were downcast. So really, Friday's not a day to cry, it's a day to celebrate. Now, I cry on Friday, but I'm celebrating in my heart. I'm not sad in the sense of I've lost something, I'm celebrating. It's tears of joy. Why? Because he said, I'm coming back. So if you know the future, you ain't going to get upset when the present turns up, are you? Why? Because you're not living for the present because you know today isn't finished because in three days, I'm coming back. And if you loved me, disciples, you wouldn't be downcast. So why are you downcast? Why are you upset? And why do you think this is about loss? Because you're not in me. You're only in the event. You're looking at the event with the wrong eyes. And they were, weren't they? But I hope we're not. Because let's cut them some slack. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. There was stuff they couldn't have known until after the event. But we're 2,000 years, guys. Beyond that point. And he said, I am the embodiment. Why do you seek the living one? Why are you seeking everything of earth looking for life? And only finding dead stuff. The problem is sometimes it's alive for about six months. Because it's a false deception, isn't it? You find that person. Oh, that's it. I finally found them. And all of a sudden, you start getting to know them. 
and all their issues, and they get to know your issues, and things aren't quite as rosy as what you thought, and now all of a sudden you might go, oh, I don't even know if I even want to be with this person. Whatever the thing is, it's never quite as good as what it appears when you get it, eh? Why is that? Because it's dead. It's an illusion. It's a deception. You have bought into the lie of the demonic, the earth, and your flesh that tells you there is eternal substance, there's eternal life in this stuff. It ain't. It's a lie. He is eternal life. He is the only one that will last forever. The heavens, the earth are passing away, but the word, the person, the son never passes away. So what happens when he enters into you through the resurrection? What do you think is going on in you when that happens? Because he died, but he rose again. Like if you don't know that yet, I just ask you to dream and imagine and ask God, say, what does that feel like? What is that? What is it to have living hope on the inside where you are rescued from earth, catapulted into the eternal, and now you don't really give a rip about earth, and the only reason for being on earth is to serve everybody who is still captured to earth. That's the purpose of every follower's life. It's not to get sucked into earth. It's to come back to earth to see earth rescued, meaning not the world, not plastic and all this stuff. People. We care more for a tree than we do a human. You can chop a tree, you can kill a human, but don't touch a tree in this nation. My goodness. This is where it's going. But when you're in him, no. You see, you get free from all that stuff into life, and now you view everything radically different. But you love people. And you love those very people that care more for a tree than a human life. They may kill you, but you're already dead. Why? Because you're a partaker of the crucifixion and the resurrection, so you're dead. Correct? I am crucified with Christ I no longer lives. That's what he's saying. But the life, there's always a second part to God. <laughs> and it's good news. Death to life. So death is the catapult into life. No, no, death is a catapult into the grave. Uh-uh. Death is a catapult into life. So if you're living and dead, you're a dead man walking. And you're looking for life and dead stuff. Problem is, it looks really good, but it ain't. You see why Jesus said, I discern by what I hear, not what I look at. Eyes of the flesh are always attracted to the glitter, the glam, what looks good. Sounds good. Oh, you need the latest iPhone. Why? Because you're not happening if you don't have that one. You need the latest gear. You need the latest car. You need the latest. Look, you haven't arrived if you're not on Facebook. You old man. Like, where have you been all your life? With him. What are you able to live? 
What happens when Facebook goes down, Instagram goes down, all the computers go down? What's going to happen to you? What's <laughs> Me and Rorin are hanging out. <laughs> and Shirley. Well, what's going to happen if we've got to go into lockdown again, but for a whole year this time? Like, what's your mental health going to be like? What's your heart going to be like? Year nine boy killed himself two weeks ago. Jumped off the Johnsonville Bridge. 13, bro. What's a 13-year-old boy doing taking his life? Like, how bad has it got to... What? Like, I'm playing football when I'm 13. I'm not thinking about taking my life. I'm not worried about stuff that kids are worried about today. And Jesus said, I die and I rose again so you can have living hope, not human optimism. A living hope that gives you hope on the inside in a world that is hopeless. I see people every time I read about them on Facebook, everyone's plastering what they're doing, who they are, smiley, smiley. Hear my heart. Put him on there. Not you. Encourage me with the word of the Lord, not what you're doing on holiday. I want the word. I want him. Give me some of him rather than you. See, but what happens when you don't know the resurrected one? It's all about you. You want to tell the world about you. But the world doesn't need to know about us. It needs to know about him through the demonstration of who we are. Not words, who we are. But if we're not in him, we got empty words. We don't have the gospel of power. We got the gospel of words. We got the gospel of an agreement of what he did, but we're just not in what he did. So we can tell everybody that he died and rose again. We just can't live a resurrected life. Am I telling the truth? So there's a real tension, isn't there? Like this is so confronting. I am fully aware of the messages that we speak here that confront earth. Week in, week out, earth gets confronted with eternal. Every week, right now, eternal is confronting earth. What I just said about Facebook is the eternal confronting earth. I'm on Facebook, but I use it for preaching him. I'm not saying it's wrong. If you want to throw some holiday photos up, fill your boots, but have a look and go, how much of that compared to him? So it's not wrong, but how much? If you love them more than me, you're not worthy of me. It's not the fact that you love your kids, it's the fact that you love them more. So if you love Facebook more, if you find yourself putting posters of you up more than God, you may want to have a look at that. Because it's telling you something about who you're in and who you're not in. And so there's this reality for you and I to not be found looking for living things among dead things because he rose from the tomb. But the challenge is 
in the gospel that we've actually received and are receiving because it's one thing to say, I mentally agree with what Jesus did and I believe it. And it's another thing to be a partaker of what he did and be on that cross with him and in the tomb with him. So when he raises you up, you've been dead and now you're alive. He goes on, the angels say this, he is not here. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> but he has risen. I know the day I rose. You know the date too, because you've heard it about 50 million times. <laughs> hey, Kristen Rowe. Kristen will tell you. The day... I realized I was dead. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. In my sin and iniquity, in my former manner of life, just as the Gentiles, and then I rose out of a grave called a body, a flesh suit, and life came in and entered, and I got resurrected where I went, I now didn't have the words have someone in me that I never had in me when I woke up that morning. I didn't know I'd been resurrected. I just knew I was radically in love with God and I had a power in me that enabled me to now do stuff that I didn't want to do for nine years. And I turned up here on the 24th of December, 1997, at 11 p.m. and I was an hour early waiting in the car park on my own because I couldn't wait. Like, I couldn't wait. Why? Because I'd actually received life. Not because I was in discipline. Not because I was trying. Not because I felt, look, I'd, being part of a church was the furthest thing from my mind. But here I am, early, waiting. And then you know what I did? Because I had no idea of how it all works. And in the day, Michael knows this, eh, Mike? We had those beautiful, reddish, sort of maroon seats that were like platform seats that you sat in. You fell and hit the floor. <laughs> you had to be careful which one you sat in. But I ran and I sat right here. I don't know. Who sits there? I don't know. And I just went there. And that night I heard a message about the Father's love and broken fellowship with the Father. Now, the stains, <laughs> we've cleaned the carpet since then, about here, there's a whole lot of mess that night. I physically got resurrected in my workplace, but right here I got up, and I remember leaving me there. Why? Because I didn't just by stand I partook but not through him me through him and from that moment on I've been looking for life in the person not in dead things <clears throat> I spent 29 years looking for life in dead things you see I transitioned because I knew that was all dead and I remember something Cena said years ago in the cafe I think it was a banquet she said you know, the sad thing about humanity 
is that we have to exhaust every option to check whether there actually is life in us before we'll actually choose him. That's the sin in us that does that. That's not because we're bad people. That's because we have sin in us that we can't get free from. And it, like Paul said, the things I want to do, I can't seem to do, but the sin in me, it actually dictates behavior, and we find ourselves in places that we don't really want to be found in, and then we're eating the stuff we don't want to really be eating, but we're eating it. Can anyone relate? And then you feel really bad, eh? And you realize you are bound up in something that you can't free yourself from, and only he can through resurrected power. See, it's not discipline, it's not a choice, it's power that comes in and enters you and cuts the tie and frees you from you and now you find yourself able to walk and leave that behind and you are not perfect now you're on a process of having your mind renewed but the anchor that was holding you the bondage that had you it's been severed and you can walk and you know <laughs> that you start praising from that place now because you realize oh my god i was dead now i'm alive i can now praise i can sing because the thing i couldn't do but you have done now i can live in accordance to your strength that actually has released me from me that's the gospel guys that's what this day is all about, not a mental agreement. Guys, as good as that is, it's not what I just said. So it's not wrong. That's the hoodwink. It's good, but there's more. And the more has to be experienced. It's an experiential reality. It's not a theoretical one that you agree with because you say, yes, that happened. It's the revelation of God. Christ, the Messiah, enters, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm alive. I was dead, eating rubbish, thinking it was going to produce life. And now you eat him, and you're alive, and you have a living hope, a living joy, a living peace. You've entered into a rest called the person. Rest has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Freedom has a name. Do you know who he is? Because in his name is everything pertaining to life and godliness. I want to read this statement out that I did put on Instagram. Many people work on aspects of the Christian life instead of receiving Christ as life. Many of us, we work on aspects. I've got to get this. Then I've got to get that. Then I've got to get that. Then I've got to go get that, correct? Instead of just receiving Christ as life. And in life is all things. So to the measure that that measure is increasing through revelation upon revelation, I'm only in life. So I don't lose joy because joy is the person it's not a feeling, see? And so I'm in the oneness of the person, but it all comes through the true gospel of power, not through intellectualism trying to figure out what I'm not in yet and trying to work all that out through proclaiming principles. No, I'm in the person, I'm in the one. And this is the problem with churchianity, is it leads you into the things of Christ, but not Christ himself. 
we end up worshiping the aspects of God, not God. And so you're always left empty going, why is this not full? It's a challenge, isn't it? Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, this is a now, future, future, now promise. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 is all about being ministers of glory. So Jesus said, I give my disciples my glory. So it's not a future thing on its own. It's now, future, now, now. The fullness is to be now. So Jesus Christ, when Christ is our life. So if he's our life, who's not our life? We're not. So you go read this a bit more, but Colossians 1, 1 to 3 says, my life is hidden. My life is hidden. Where? In him. Which means I've become what with God? And so I pray that you would be as my father and I are. Bingo. So how are we getting on with our oneness spiritually? As opposed to trying to walk on the aspects of our Christian life. Guys, it's a whole different way. It's not even close, but it sounds close. It's not. It's a whole different way. And so it confronts, though, the ways of man. Maybe what you've been taught. Even the way you've maybe come into a little bit of life. But you still like going, it's like, well, where are you? Maybe it's a trickle. But John says to me, hey lady, do you want a well of water? He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from their innermost being will come rivers, not even a river, rivers of living life. But not while we're looking for dead things. Thinking, and that's what that is. Many people work on the aspects of Christian life is looking for the living among the dead. That statement has two kinds, doesn't it? Like there's the people who are working on the aspects of Christian life, correct? And then there are people who are receiving Christ as life. So that means there's two kinds. Is that fair enough? And they're two operating systems. And yet we're both in the same family. Is that right? But is that right? Or are we supposed to be one? So, what has to happen for there to be one people as opposed to two people who gather in a building? What do we all have to receive? Thanks, Tim. Him. Continuously. Not looking in aspects of the Christian life. Doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Just got to find that. Gotta, no, you got to find him. Didn't Paul say, I'm afraid that you've been led astray in your minds from something. So the Apostle Paul was afraid that the Corinthian church had been led astray 
into something that was good, but not God. And so he wrote it down so we could actually be aware of it too, that we don't make the same mistake that our brothers and sisters have already made. Correct? So that's the challenge because the church is not yet known for oneness, which means there are two kinds of Christians. And that principle exists throughout the entire of the Bible. Abraham has two sons. This person has two sons. You see the two becoming one reality in the marriage covenant, correct? But just because you're married, it doesn't mean you're one with your husband or spouse, does it? So I mean you're still two then, aren't you, spiritually? So you can live your entire life in two, not one, correct? That's an issue, isn't it? When Jesus says, I pray, I pray, like I'm God, and I'm praying that you would be one. But to live your life in two would be an issue when you stand before him, when he says, well, I prayed, all of heaven prayed, that you guys would hear the promises, the prophetic realities when they go into the earth, leave earth and lay hold of everything I've been laid hold of for, Philippians 3, in the person. The person who got on a cross willingly, they did not take his life. He laid it down. He could have picked it up. He could have called on a legion of angels to deal with humanity like that. But he didn't. Why? For the joy set before him, he endured a horrific like it's not a murder. This is a horrific flesh being ripped. Like what we saw on Friday night was horrific, but actually this describes it as more horrific. Like he was unrecognizable. I could still recognize the guy in the movie. His beard apparently got ripped off his face. So he had a joy set before him, he endured that for us. Like anyone want to put your hand up for that one? So what do you think he's looking at? Because joy can't be a feeling. That's not a good day, correct? What is Jesus looking at? No. A marriage He's looking at you and me. Not the person beside you. He's looking at you and me. And every whip and every bit of his flesh that was torn from his body was for you and me. And some more. So that was for your sin and iniquity number one. But it don't end there. It was for your inheritance. It was so he could free you and me from who we are that I could walk freely today. Like how free are you? Like seriously, how free are you? Because so often we go, I'm free in Christ, and somehow we're not. Yeah? Like, the reality is we're not, but we sing it, and it's cool to sing it, but most of the songs we sing are prophetic utterances waiting to happen. 
So do not be yoked again to the bondage of slavery, which isn't just to sin, it's to everything of earth. Like if you worry about money, that's a bondage to the earth. If you worry about tomorrow, that's bondage to the earth. See, it's everything. He came to release us from every fear that would stop us living a Christ-like existence. Not in heaven, now. That's what the resurrection is enabling. I don't want to be bound up to my past any longer. Why? Because Jesus released me from it. He doesn't bring it up, so why do I? Because I don't know that I've been released from it. So I need to seek Him and ask Him to release me from the thing He accomplished. Because too often we look at that and we go, no, it's what He did. Like we claim these for our own. No, it's what He did. And you need to enter into what He did, not just verbally say, yes, I'm in that. See, what you read here is not a textbook. It's not a history book. What is it? What is it in its primary form? It's a living truth. About who? About Christ. So it's Christ, isn't it? So you can't intellectualize Christ, can you? You can't figure him out, the Bible says, without revelation. So he says you've got to eat this and drink this, otherwise you have no life. You see, this is a person. So when you see Paul and Peter write, they're testifying to the person they know, which means you can't go, well, that's my reality until the power of God has brought you into the reality and then you become one with those men and say, now I can lay hold of, laid hold of, so now I speak. But what we've done, we've all gone, yeah, we've all got the mind of Christ. That's the beautiful one. You've all got the mind of Christ, then then live. You see, in theory, we all have the potential to have the mind of Christ. But in reality, if I'm worrying about money, do I really have the mind of Christ? No. If I'm worrying about being liked or loved, do I have the mind of Christ? No. If I'm worrying about lack, insecurity, fear, jealousy, selfish ambition, do I have the mind of Christ? No. <clears throat> Whose mind do I still have? mine. So you can't claim that as if it's yours. And if you do, I'd say, then tell me about all the things in the unseen person that heart hasn't seen, ear hasn't received, eye hasn't seen. You've got the mic, go. What did you say? Yeah. Don't think more highly of yourself. So we've got to wrestle with the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I stand in front of you today wanting to give you resurrected power life. But I look for hearts that are humble. I look for hearts that are thirsty. I look for hearts that are hungry to want to receive. Apathetic people get nothing. Lukewarm people get nothing. We've created the lukewarm position. Do you know that? 
because hot's too hot and cold is too cold, so we go, we have to come up with a third position. And we've done a brilliant job. We are the masters of actually creating another gospel. And Paul warned us about that. And yet, when you're in the person, you know when the fake turns up. And Paul says that. He says, so when you're in the person, the personhood, not the principle, the person, and someone else comes to try and speak something that's principle but not person, you can discern it because not what you look at because you hear it. And it's a hearing of a word because you got resurrected with the person. You're not just a bystander of the resurrection. You're a fellow partaker of the resurrection, which means you've been brought into oneness. So you know and are coming to know that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all speak the same reality. And then when you're growing in that spiritual reality, you hear it as one, you eat it, drink it, and then you abide and you live and you have much fruit to go around for everybody else. John 15, correct? That's what that entirely means. So if there's no fruit, then I'm not abiding. It's just what the Bible says, yeah? So we, we don't have to, but for me, I go, if I'm in that, and I'm, I'm given a promise and I'm going, well, I'm not in that, to go, oh, well, who cares? is telling something about my heart and my love for God. It's telling me that I probably love my wife, my kids, my football, my money, my sport, more than God. Because I'm just being made aware of a reality that's for me and I'm not interested. So if I made you a meal and I spent a week preparing and I spent $1,000 on preparing this meal because that's how good of a chef I am, And you turn up and you go, what's that? And it's beautiful. Oh, did I not tell you I don't like that crap? Oh, well, I'm going to go down to McDonald's. Honor. Doesn't exist, does it? Not a lot of love. Not a lot of value. I'm not interested but it's for you. Yeah, I know, but you know, I've got a whole lot of other things that I want to do in my life. Yeah, my, my life. Yeah, that's right, it's my life. Okay. And so then I continue to look for dead stuff among the living. We all have to be rescued out of and into what I just said. The challenge is, guys, we don't even know we're stuck. And if we do know, we don't necessarily want to do anything about it. Why? Because we're bad people? No. Because I still haven't received the resurrection power that releases me from me. That's why. You can even want to, but can't. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up at five. I'm going to pray for an hour. And you do it. And the next day, and you do it. And the next day, and it's all it's getting a bit hard. And the next day, actually, it's really great intent. Heart meant it when it said it. Just don't have any power to see it through. 
Why? Because I'm only a bystander rather than a partaker. I'm just going to read Philippians and then we might just go to the tables. There's some questions on the tables. Philippians says this. This is Philippians 1, verse 3. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Till the day Christ returns to collect his spotless, blameless, mature, ready, faithful, obedient, worthy people, the gospel, meaning the power of what Jesus accomplished, not just talking about what he did, the partaking, the participation in the life, the power that took him from being dead to life, that gospel that Paul said, man never taught me that, I didn't receive it from man, but I received it through a revelation. So Paul in Galatians 1, 11 to 12, received the resurrected life. Because he received the person in him. Correct? He was not taught that Jesus got on a cross and died for sin. He received the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. So the challenge is mental agreement, power of the person. Did we receive the person? I am the resurrection and the life. Did I say yes to what the person did? So in view of that gospel, which one? God is going to do the work to perfect us till he returns. Which Philippians, along with a whole lot of other scriptures, say it's a work in me. Not around me. Not to me. Not me laying hands on sick people. A work in me me through the partaking of the body which Jesus said is the what? Food. Yep, it is life. He said, eat my flesh, which is true food. Drink my blood, which is true drink. If you don't, you'll have no life. So how can he perfect the work he started if you're not in the person? You'll be a bystander. The work will happen in others. You'll be able to see it, hear it, but it won't be happening in you. So the gospel has been made void because you heard it through someone who came with persuasive words and you agreed and said, yes, that's it, but it never hit you here. And so you try to live from the person, you're living from you. You try to love someone that hates you, you hate them back. You get frustrated with people's behavior. If only they just did this. And you know what? That comes out of you. 
Yeah, we certainly can create atmospheres, can't we? But are they atmospheres of life or death? The words of life or death come out of your mouth, in your marriage, around your kids, in your workplace, in the supermarket, in the car. Like, what do you manifest? Earth or eternal? Well, I'll tell you, if we're not in this, you will manifest earth pretty much every time. Because before you've got a chance to capture that thought, it's out your mouth. Correct? But when you're in the gospel, you don't even have the thought. Why? Because someone's renewing your mind. Because you've figured out with the Holy Spirit, you're in personhood. Not principlehood, personhood. So I hope that encourages you today one way or another, to go, I need more of him or I really need to turn and run like the prodigal son ran home. The older brother had no idea. He was still whinging about his younger brother. At least the younger brother had the smarts to come home even though he didn't know still yet who he was. But the father did, correct? Like the father spoke to the older brother, the father spoke to the younger brother, and the father said, it's all yours, son. But you can't enter into that without knowing me. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity we get to hear prophetic utterances. The opportunity we get to know you, to know who we are in you, to know your purpose and your plan. That we can live today from resurrected hope, resurrected life, through what your son accomplished 2,000 years ago for us. Lord, you're a living, breathing God who is waiting for the church to be found in your presence, to ask, seek, and knock for a reality that is concealed but for us, longing to reveal it in us, to us and through us, that we can be ambassadors of the kingdom here on earth. Firstly, loving one another, being one of one mind, one spirit, one love, intent on the one purpose. Being this body that operates as a body, not a group of people who turn up in a meeting, but a body that functions, moves, sprints, is quick to action to serve others, to love others, and to see the power of your kingdom come, to see the captive released, the brokenhearted in this church healed, blind eyes open physically, spiritually, blind ears open physically, spiritually, things that heart has not yet entered into, enter, that we can just be Christ-like, not through trying, but through being and receiving and accepting and believing through your power that is fully available today in your spirit, who is a person, not a force. So hear the word of the Lord and live. Live. Dry bones hear the word of God. And live in accordance to it.
May your name be glorified on earth, Father, every day. Every day we get an opportunity, Lord, to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. There are questions at tables if people want to. I just get a sense, if you don't want to, you want to go, go. That's cool too. But there are questions at tables if you want to engage in some of those questions. And the questions are just the guidelines. So you may have a burning question you want to ask, so feel free to ask that. But there's plenty of freedom here to, to go and to do what you want to do. The money. Uh, if you want to give, feel free to give afterwards in the foyer, okay? There you go. There's the giving offering. Here's the message.